Hey everyone, and welcome to the Louisville Podcast. Man, we're so glad that you're here checking out our series called Message Notes, where Gord and myself take a deeper look at the recent teaching from this past Sunday. Well, once again, the roles are reversed, and Gord is in the host seat, and he's interviewing me from this past Sunday. We talk everything from hitchhiking across Canada looking into the spiritual disciplines, but ultimately aligning our heart with that of our Heavenly Fathers so that ultimately we can have less worry in our lives. Well, friends, I'm pumped that you're here with us, and I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, Gord, here we are again. and Hi, Adams. And here we are where the roles are once again reversed. And Yeah, good. You're the host, and I'm the yeah. I'm the one in the hot seat. Yeah, absolutely. But it's fun. I'm excited. So, are you uh, are you catching your breath after yeah. what went on in Nova Scotia? Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, I've been thinking about those. What is it? Is it the they say the five stages of grief? Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah. You know, and I've been thinking. I, I heard a teaching recently how that shouldn't be seen as like step one, step two, step three, step yeah. four. It's, it's like, it's sort of a all over the place. You could jump to step four, you could jump back to step one. and Well, the thing about it, I, I was a young pastor years ago in mm. Ottawa, and I'd been a youth pastor up till then, up till they called me to the Ottawa church. Okay. And so the whole thing of taking the lead on funerals with um, with grieving families yeah. I, I didn't know anything right I really hadn't taken any training specifically on that so I went to a grief seminar okay I signed up I paid my money went to the grief seminar yeah yeah but the guy at the grief seminar talked to us about the grieving process mm. and everyone knows about the kubler ross five stages yep. of grief yep. and i've even had well-meaning pastors say to people well i think you're in stage three and pretty soon you'll be ready for stage four but right yeah she she wasn't trying to give you steps no. to go from downstairs to upstairs like no. that's not what she was doing and i think she even came out after and, and said and said that look don't see these as boxes to check right she was just trying to help people understand that grief was complex and mm-hmm. that different things at different times. But this guy drew, drew a path. Mm. And it was a windy, twisty path. And then he started making little circles in clumps. Hmm. And sometimes it was uh, five or six little circles in clumps and then uh, eight or 10 or 12 and, and made a number of them along the path. And as he got further along the mm. path, he spaced them out more and more. And he says, okay, so now that I've driven, I've, I've drawn my graphic, here's what this is. The path of grief is a twisty, turny thing. Oh, yeah. And he says, picture these as piles of rocks. Huh. And you come up to a pile of rocks, and he says, you can't go around them, you mm-hmm. can't go over them, you can't go under them. The only thing you can do is move them. Hmm. So he says, you take a little time, you move the rocks. Yeah. You go a little further on, some more rocks. Mm. Maybe it's fewer rocks. Maybe it's even more rocks. Yeah, yeah. But you stop and move the rocks. 
and he says, you will always have piles of rocks to move. Yeah. And on the path, you'll never know where they're coming from, and they will surprise you. Mm. Um, you know, I've known people who've lost loved ones, and suddenly something, a song, a remembrance of something will take them back to a very play, a place of very raw grief. And they've got to stop and move some rocks. Yeah, exactly. And the further you go on, the piles get further apart. Mm -hmm. At least theoretically they do. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, in this moment now, in light of the Nova Scotia situation, like it's still so... Just like you said, like, have you caught your breath, right? Like, yeah, it's very raw. It's very and raw. It's it, so, yeah, it's going to be a long, a long process for many, many people. Yeah. And, you know, there are some dynamics, I guess, that got caught into this. Uh, the whole rural context mm. is another whole thing. People leave the keys in their car and their yeah. doors open. So that if anyone had to borrow a car, they can borrow the car because they'll bring it back. Yeah. Like that's the, the environment they live in. Yeah. And doors open, you need a cup of sugar, come in, get your cup of sugar. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, not anymore. Oh, no. That innocence is gone. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's tough. I, I mean, it's not the same at all, but I remember growing up uh, in Wolfville. Now, Wolfville wouldn't be considered super rural by any means. We've got the university there. But growing up, we never locked. We, no. I, th I think the only time we locked the door was like at night when we were going to bed. But growing up, we never locked the door. And then there was, I don't know if there was vandalism going on in the town or there was something that happened in the town. And then all of a sudden, it was like a, like a switch for everyone. Yeah. Everyone were like, okay. Okay, time to, to batten down the hatches yeah, a little. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. So I feel bad for these folks because for some of them, it's been a lifestyle all their lives and suddenly yeah. it's thrown into upheaval. Oh, yeah. Beyond the grief of lost friends, beyond the grief of the horror of someone dressing as a police officer, oh, yeah. pulling people over and walking up and shooting them like... It, it, it's just unthinkable. Mm. Yeah, it's it's like a scene out of a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm, we're definitely trying to catch our breath. Like I have family. You and I both have family down in Nova Scotia. Yeah. So just sort of. Yeah. I have an aunt who lives. Um, in Debert. Okay. Or lived in DeBert, I guess. She doesn't live there anymore. She lives in Bible Hill, but it's the same area, yeah, right? Yeah. And Bible Hill, outside Truro. Mm -hmm. If you can speak of it as a suburb of Truro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. you know, out in those areas. Yeah. A little spooky. Yeah. We've got friends in, in ministry down in those areas. Yeah. Uh, you know, we think of Tammy Giffen. Yeah, Tammy Giffen, a good friend of Louisville's. Yeah, and yeah. it's like that's right in her backyard, right? Yeah. So for where she's doing ministry. So our prayers definitely go out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So your message for Sunday mm. was uh, on the mark. <laughs> yeah. And the... Uh, and the it was amazing. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't tuned into that service, you need to do that. Mm. And I'll give you something to to remember as you go, is that the uh, worship set for that week? Oh yeah, 
which many have said, wow, those were perfectly chosen for this week. Mm-hmm. They were chosen a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Sonny and I over the years have said, well, it's a good thing we're not in charge. Yeah, yeah. And, we're, and we're not. We've been aware oh, yeah. many times where God has sovereignly put worship sets together mm-hmm. in Sonny's heart and mind and a message in mine and they're brought together hand in glove, and yeah. we say, yeah, and we had nothing to do with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, from from behind the scenes, we literally didn't have to do any tweaking uh, in light of the situation. We went, oh, well. <laughs> these will be perfect. Yeah, these will be perfect. And and thank thank God they were. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So. so we've had a lot of remark that way. So I would just encourage people, if you haven't mm. watched this past Sunday, you go back to church online and have a little look. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, Matthew chapter 6. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, let me ask you, there's a few things. I made some notes. I always make notes. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. So, let me, uh, let me ask you. There was a quote, and it came out on the promos for this podcast, mm. and it's, Worry is care gone wrong. Yeah. What further would you like to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good balance point because I think we can get strung up on the idea of of worry being something like we just have to immediately exit whatever we're worrying out of our lives completely. But the reality is typically things that we're worried about are things that we care about. Yes. And so it's not to say like, hey, stop caring about these things. It's yeah. it's it's hold them in light of understanding, um, and maybe this is a big word, but like the sovereignty of God, right? Yeah. In, in light of that and understanding that, wait a moment, if we actually believed in that concept of, of a sovereign God, then our cares, we, we give over to God and that they don't become worries in our lives anymore. We still care about them, but they don't. I almost think of it as like, um, it's like worry is, is, think of your cares and when they start to go moldy or they start to go bad, <laughs> you know, that's when they start to become worries. Yeah, sure. Right? Yep. And uh, so, yeah, like it's, it's, it's the things we care about deeply, but then it's just, it either takes over our lives. So it's not wrong to care about them deeply. No, no. I don't think so at all. Yeah. And, and, but you could say, and this is when you get further into the message, but it it also, our worries brings out where our heart is set, right? So ask yourself, what are you actually worrying about? Right? You know, if you, if you as a parent are worrying about your child, um, that's a good thing to care about. Right? Right. But if you're worried, like if you're worried about, I don't know, the, well, if if you tie if you tie your care to outcomes only, mm. yeah, maybe maybe does that help us any? Yeah. I hope he or she doesn't. Whatever. So fill in the blank, and whatever it is you hope they don't do or do do. <laughs> uh, if you're hanging around outcomes always, right? No, for sure. Which are things you, the worry will not change the outcome. Mm. Exactly. 
Yeah. I think Jesus said that, didn't he? In those exact words? <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's neat. And even with this text, um, I, I sometimes, for some odd reason, I sometimes think that Jesus can be a little smug with his words. Uh-huh. And, and I, to me, it brings life into to reading scripture when you go, wait a moment, like, if you really listen to what he's saying, like, what? Like, it must have hit the disciples or the, the, the people, the, the crowds, like, wait, what did he just say? Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes speaking in that way is what re- really can get to us and really op- open our eyes and go, oh, my goodness. Like the, the example of the birds, right? Yes. What a great example. Like, in my mind, because he's just being, it's almost like he's being coy about it. It's like, yeah, because there would not be an animal, a few animals, that would be seen as frail mm. as a bird. Right. Yeah. Like, a bird is not a lion. No. You know, there's the old the old rule about there's there's one rule in the jungle. When the lion is hungry, the lion eats. Mm, yeah. Like that. But a bird yeah. is not at the top of the food chain. No, yeah, yeah. So he picks the frail one, the little one, at the bottom of the food chain. Oh, yeah. And there's where he makes his comparison. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested, too, because I'm sure the birds um, in the Israel section where they would have been, like... Would not we're not talking eagles and things of that nature. Like these are probably piddly little birds, right? Well, like most of the ones we see here. If yeah. we see an eagle here, it's a very big deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. We see those awful squawking crows and ravens <laughs> yeah. stealing everything that's available to be stolen. Yeah. But mostly it's chickadees. Mm. And and uh Titwillows. Oh, yeah. And all of those tiny little birds that are pretty. Yeah. But not what we would describe as strong. No, yeah. And they don't seem worried. <laughs> they, just... they flit from tree to tree. Yeah. And they always seem to have enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think what's neat, too, is that I don't think Jesus is saying we need to be like those birds and just be kind of... Yeah, yeah. Going around, but he's saying, listen, like, God cares about those birds, but how much more does he care about you? Yeah. It's all a contrast, right? It's all comparison. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I would hope that even with this idea of worry is care gone wrong, it, it causes us to pause, evaluate the things that we actually worry about in our lives. And I'm sure that's not a hard list for many of us to start writing out. And then to ask ourselves, okay, well, let's start drawing out the things. What's the heart of those worries? Like, what is what is the things that maybe um, these are things that I actually should care about? And what does it look like to um, positively care about them or, or hand over the care to God? Not to ignore it, not to never think about it again, but to work in partnership, like handing it over to our sovereign God to say, okay, God, like, I do care about this. Yeah, so in the days of COVID, for example, mm. people have lots of legitimate cares. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people are out of work. Mm-hmm. Um, they have families to feed. 
They have mortgages to pay. Exactly, yeah. Um, they have lots of things that are legitimate concerns in the days of the, the illness itself. Yeah. We're we're a little spoiled here in New Brunswick because yeah. we're as we're speaking nine days without a new case. Without a new case, yeah, yeah. While there are still places in Canada, never mind the U.S., no, yeah, that have more new cases per day mm. than we've had total. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing a bit of that bright sunshine come through. So far, right? Yeah. Um, but once again, that could that could also, you know, we could get clouded by the excitement, by our worry, and be like, it's going to come back, it's going to come back. And it very well could, right? But, but by worrying about it. Mm. So how about this? Let, let me pitch you something and you can react to it. Okay. When we care about something we take the positive steps that are ours to take. Mm. Yes? Yeah, I, th I think so. I can't tell if you're tricking me. <laughs> I'm not tricking you. No, <laughs> not at all. I'm just saying, if we care about something, um, for example, my wife and I are doing fine. Mm. But we just made the decision that we were going to eat out of our freezer. Okay. So, all those times when we've been in the grocery store and chicken was on sale, or, mm. or even steak was yeah. on sale, or who knows what was on sale, we bought a couple, brought them home, put them in the freezer. Well, now we're eating out of the freezer. Mm. Tonight for supper, we're going to make tacos with hamburger that was in the freezer. Nice. Right? Yeah. So... You can take some positive steps because they're things to care about, okay? Mm, mm -hmm. But by sitting and worrying... Yeah. It's not going to get you forward. Not going to get you forward. Yeah. I mean, you could think of... Um, I don't know why I keep coming back to this example because I don't have children. But when you think of like the... You know, the typical dad or mom who's worried about their son or daughter mm -hmm. sitting in the worry and not actually connecting or reaching out, right? Yeah, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of like the term paper thing. Right. Right? So that you're, you're worried about the term paper to the point where after a while... All you're doing is worrying. You're not actually working on the term paper. Right. So, so in the maybe what is what you're saying where it comes to children? Mm. Are there then steps we could take relative to our children? Yeah. That may even seem insignificant now. Right. That turn out to be care steps. Mm. Mm -hmm. That yield a harvest in the big picture. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I'm I'm not a dad, so I'm I don't know those those steps right away. But um, but yeah, maybe it's just reaching out. Maybe it's trying to stay connected and not under the pretense of oh, I'm so worried about you, right? Because <laughs> that's not going to work. People just run away from that. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. No, it's true. Okay. Yeah. Worry is care gone wrong. Worry is care gone wrong. The P 
peace of God is not the absence of trouble in our lives, mm. but the presence of God within our troubles. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had an instance in your life, Adams, where you had peace when you shouldn't have had peace? Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and sometimes that's hard to... Um, like sort of tangibly express because it could look very different in, in whatever situation it may be. Right. Um, maybe I've, I've been in situations where, uh, even, even like, so it's a silly thing. The first time I had ever done a sermon, right. Wasn't just nerd. You'd think I would have been nervous as all get out. And then, you know, you, you get up on the stage and then all of a sudden they're all gone. The nervous. Now, like, I was mm-hmm. still, I was still unprepared. Mm-hmm. I was still, you know, I was still green behind the ears and, and doing that. But it's like, I was in that moment and then walking out of it, I went, I don't know. I don't know how I did that. Right. Yeah. And me, and that could have been the presence of God within that potential stress. There's been other times where, um, in life, you know, maybe relationship dynamics, um, both family, personal, um, school dynamics, um, anything really where for, I think for me, it's been like entering into things that on paper would have been considered high stress. Mm -hmm. And yet in those moments that you would think high stress would be there, it wasn't there. It wasn't. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, one of my one of my favorite stories, and this is a the, we won't go into all the details, but it does have to do with uh, myself and your son, who are who are Uh-oh. good friends, <laughs> who are good friends, and we were on an adventure out west. We were tree planting, and we were um, adventuring back home through means of uh, trying to find rides on the highway. That's the way I'll say that. <laughs> no, you guys were hitchhiking. Yeah, we were hitchhiking. But I really and remember. And if he had asked his father about hitchhiking, I'd have told him not to do it. <laughs> <clears throat> but I remember um, both of us just being. We got to this point in the journey where we were really, really down. Um, we were frustrated. We were in the middle of nowhere, and we woke up one morning. We were tenting, and we had we had thrown some money into a tent at a um, like it was like an RV camp type thing. Um, something something like you'd see out in Shediac, right? Yep. Um, and we had our tree planting shovels with us and the tree planting shovels were outside of the tent and we wake up and this, uh, this guy from Quebec walks by thick, thick Quebec accent, French accent. And he, and he looks, he goes, Oh, you guys, you, I'm not going to try to do the accent. He's like, mm-hmm. you, you guys tree planters. I mean, you see the shovel, right? It's the symbol. He's like, oh yeah, man. Yeah. And he's like, I used to do that back in the day. Hey, listen, you should, you should, we're, we're having breakfast. Uh, you should come on over. Josh and I were like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, we're still real. We're at a low moment. Yeah. And uh, this guy, Pierre, he introduced us to his crew. He was there with a bunch of guys. They were cycling across Canada. Okay. Yeah. And Pierre introduced us. Yeah. Hey, these guys. I just met them. They were tree planters. Hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna um, have breakfast just before we dive in, guys. Uh, why don't Why don't we pray pray for for Josh and Adams? <laughs> And Josh and I... You didn't expect that, did you? Didn't expect that. And Josh and I just kind of look at each other like, okay. 
Yeah. And then we're in such a low moment, right? That yep. in that moment, you can't help but just get teary-eyed and, and you're in this moment and it's that reminder. Wait a moment. I know where you are. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, and, and I have your back. Like yeah. you, you may be self-inducing the trouble upon you, right? Right. But don't worry. I'm here. I've got you. Yeah. And that was, that was, uh, that was a powerful moment, I think, for both of us. Well, because all of it seems so random. Mm. Yeah. What are we going to have for breakfast? Oh, yeah. That wasn't even on our mind, right? <laughs> and we're, we're alone and we're far from home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were far in the middle of the out west. We actually saw them later. So they drove us because the whole idea was uh, one of the guys was driving and um, then the other guys were cycling. And so they drop us off at this spot. And so they dropped us off. And then uh, it was probably like an hour or two later. Nobody. We're getting nobody. And then uh, we see, I go, I, I hit Josh. We're sitting on the side. We're not even standing anymore. We're sitting on the side of the highway with our signs that I think say like, oh, Winnipeg. That was our goal. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> wherever you can take us. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I go, Josh, look what's up ahead. And we could see Pierre's truck because, like, we could see the truck. He had a trailer with the bikes and whatnot. Pierre's on his way. And then he's driving. He honks the, um, oh, no, 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 sorry, sorry. It was the other way around. We saw the guys biking because Pierre was way, way back. Yeah. And so we saw the guys biking and they cycle back. And we're like, we just called Pierre. He's going to come get you again. Oh, nice. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. Yeah. And that jolted us, right? We were energized. So, so that you considered was, that the presence of God within your troubles? Yeah, I think in reflection, yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. I hope that, I think so, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then it, it wasn't that all of a sudden there, you, Nobody gave you a car. No. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody said, "Let me. Let me take that trouble away from you. I'll right. give you a car." Yeah. We were still. We were still in the situation of trying to hitchhike and get home. It's not like they. They solved it for us. But yeah, I think. I think the presence of God, like I said, can be a vast array of different things, and maybe that's. Um, God, God acting through his people yep. in help in whatever way that may look like. So, so now here's a question. Okay. This is the, rad, this is the rabbit trail portion of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so if God prompts you. Oh, yeah. To help somebody. Mm. So you're the person with breakfast and you're the person with the vehicle and... God prompts you. Yeah. Does it give you any different picture on what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I, th I feel like it's the classic story of, you know, sitting at the, here's a maritime reference, sitting at the big stop, right? And you see the family over there and you're like, you get that prompting. I feel like I should pay for their meal. Yep. And then you, and then you doubt yourself because that's what, oh you're all, yeah. There's always ways to say oh no, don't be so foolish. You can't no. They'll be able to pay for themselves. They'll be they'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like uh, oh when was this? 
This was back when we were still gathering. We did a Teen Challenge Sunday, and Jen okay. Carey was up. I loved yeah, yeah, this yeah. quote where she said something. Um, she's like, you know, sometimes you, you think it's you think it's gas. It's not gas. <laughs> it's God. <laughs> it's God. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's it's those moments, right, where you're like, oh, did I eat something funny? I'm just starting to think weird. Or wait a moment, is am I experiencing a prompting to take a step in faith? Yep. And um, yeah, when when you take those steps, it whew, it can be nerve wracking. Um, but man, you can also enter into the presence of God in that in that. See, like, if right? God is already there, mm. and you move toward that, yeah, puts you in the presence of God. Yeah, it's almost acknowledging the presence. That yeah, is there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, first time it ever happened for us. <laughs> My wife and I and our little girl, mm. our oldest daughter, uh, was not two yet. Okay. And we were going driving down to Yarmouth to speak at uh, a young adult retreat at Camp Penile. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's the edge of the earth right there in Yarmouth. Yeah, There's... well, pretty much. <laughs> And it was like around Thanksgiving weekend, like some, like it was in October because it was getting coolish. We went into a little diner. I think maybe even in Bedford. I'm not oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, we decided we were going to go in and get something. So we we're waiting for our lunch to come. And uh, a man came in. I'm not sure if homeless, mm -hmm. but pretty beaten up. Sure, yeah. The dirty clothes, the matted hair, the, you know, all of that. Mm. And sat down and ordered a cup of coffee mm. and then asked if he could have some crackers. <laughs> and he was close enough to us that we could hear the conversation. So I just whispered to Rosalie, we should buy him lunch. Mm -hmm. And my wife is almost less likely to try to talk us out of it than I would be. <laughs> so, so she says, yeah, that's a good idea. But we don't want him to know it was us. No, we don't. So I called yeah. the manager over and I asked about this man. And he said, I know he comes in here, but I can't just throw him out. I said, no, 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 right, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not wanting you to throw him out. I said, ask what he wants to eat. Mm. And I said, whatever he would like, give it to him. Mm. Two things, put it on our bill mm. and don't tell him where it came from. Yeah. So he said, okay, he went over and the man said, I would just like some hot soup <laughs> and some bread. So he brought him hot soup and bread. And even before he got it, he said, I, I can't pay for it. He says, no, no, it's paid for. It's been taken care of, yeah. And he said, who, who, who? And he says, well, one of the, one of the provisions was that you not be told who it came from. Yeah. Well, would you please say thank you? Yeah. So, you know, that, that comes off as you're the hero of the story. No. No. 
it has to do with God wanted to do something for him, mm. and we got the privilege of getting in on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah? It's like someone's going with, you know, publisher's clearinghouse with a million-dollar check to somebody's house, and you say, oh, can I go along? Right. Yeah, just because you want to see the, can I go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think what's neat, too, is that, like, in those moments, I always will, like, I'm always fascinated by the moments in in the New Testament, in the story of Jesus, where um, he'll do something, and then he looks to the God, to the disciples, and he's going, "Shh, like, don't tell anyone." Don't tell anyone. And of course, they never listen. They always, they always yeah, tell them. But I think that's a good model for us as we get into these into these moments where we may feel a prompting, just like in your story. It's a very, very different narrative if. If you and Rosalie went up to him and be like, God told me to, to pay yeah, for that, your that's, soup. That, like, that just gets weird, right? It gets weird. And then I, I think it also, as we see that example of Christ himself saying, shh, you know, like, just do the yeah, thing and then move just on. Just do the thing. It's like, maybe that's more what the kingdom looks like. Just a thought. By fascination. Mm. Not, what's the, that's by fascination and not, I can't remember the other word. By conquest. Okay, yeah. Well, that's one of the ways I've heard it. Yeah, yeah. Fascination, not force. Fascination, not force. Yeah, that's the one I've always, yeah. 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 So then if that's true, let me take you one more one little more, step down the step. rabbit hole, and then we'll head back out because we've got some other <laughs> things to talk about. Yes, for sure. What if the prompting from God was the thing that allowed you or me to become the presence of God within somebody's trouble mm. by alleviating one of the things that they would be tempted to worry about. That's fascinating. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. What if it's an act of the mercy of God where God says, they're worried about that? Mm. So I'm not going to totally, totally alleviate this, but I am going to provide some encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that looks like. Like, they don't drive you all the way to Winnipeg. Right. They give you breakfast, pray for you, and take you a little further down mm. the road. Mm -hmm. Something about each day has enough worry for its own. <laughs> <laughs> One of the funniest parts about that, too, when we were in the truck with Pierre, um, he took that opportunity to make sure that Josh and I knew how important it was to find a good Christian woman in our lives. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It was almost like a, like a pre-planned sermon that he had for oh. us. Because, <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised if these guys um, would pick up hitchhikers and, and share the gospel with them yeah but then all of a sudden their the narrative for them changed when they realized that both josh and i were believers so yeah. it was like okay well now i need to encourage them to be men of faith and and you know and get a woman of faith <laughs> to be their wife <laughs> yeah yeah it, what funny enough we didn't get um what's funny is when they rode by and said pierre's on his way um that's when we actually got picked up by someone else. Someone else came, and we were like, "Oh, do we wait for Pierre, or do we do we take this next journey?" And 
we decided to take the next journey. Yeah, very good. Yeah, no, that was fun. That was fun. So, before we run out... No, yeah, yeah. I loved the quote from Paul Miller. Mm. Prayer does not offer us a less busy life, but a less busy heart. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a... um, Once again, like, I I found this whole message, like, there... And this is just as much as it is for me as for everyone else, they're really good reminders, but they're not also like super easy reminders. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, we're through prayer. We're not necessarily the worries and the cares or maybe the way to look at it is that through prayer, our worries can turn to healthy cares and slow down our heart, slow down that, you know, you think of uh, when you get scared or, or, or worried about something, your heart is beating faster and faster and faster. And this is like, no, okay, let's bring it down to an even pace. Do you think that helps with seeing what the next actual step is? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's some physiological things that go along with that as well, which probably is not what Paul Miller was getting at when he said that quote. Um, but yeah, like when you're... <laughs> When your blood pressure, when you're when it's skyrocketed, you're not making the good right decisions. You're probably all over the map, right? But if we like take a deep breath, come to prayer as we're as we're guided through Scripture to do so, man, it slows down our heart, and we can start kind of seeing things in a clearer picture. Which isn't overnight; it doesn't happen just like that. Um, Although in some instances where people are panicking, even hyperventilating, mm-hmm. and someone will say, breathe. Yeah. Breathe. Look at me. Breathe. Yeah. <clears throat> We're able to take in mm. a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I've seen, um, uh, there's different different prayer practices you can do to sort of like get yourself into that one thing uh, that's been a benefit for me, um, I always flub the how to say this. This has to do with scripture reading, uh, lectio divina. The lectio divina. Yeah, and that idea of um, of just slowly reading over scripture. Yep. And and you can turn that into somewhat of a prayer, or or you come to God in prayer, and then you just read over. A section. Uh, hey, you could even you could easily do that practice with this section of Matthew six, right? Yes. Just slowly read over and it. and allow God to stop you where there's something noteworthy that He wants you to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost like a tour guide. Yeah. I I don't want to be glib about the Holy Spirit, but but in the landscape of what God has for us, the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit can stop us and say, okay. I'm take a minute right here. Yeah. Now look at this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And there's lots of moments in, in that. Well, I mean, it can happen in any section of Scripture. I, I believe that for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I think too often when you read through Jesus' teachings, if you take that slower approach, <laughs> the Holy Spirit all of a sudden starts to show up. He goes, hey, why don't you reread that passage again? <laughs> What that that's for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe for you. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was doing a, a study once on um, the Good Shepherd mm-hmm. and like understanding the cultural relevance of the Good Shepherd and how shepherds weren't like, we, we may think of shepherds as this like, you know, hokey, like I think of like back in the days of vacation Bible school and stuff. And like, if you were a volunteer, you were a shepherd. And they even, this was down at Wolf Hill Baptist, they even gave us staffs. Like the, okay. with, the, with the With the crook on the end? With the crook. Do you know, you, well, I know you know this. You know what the crook is for? Yes. <laughs> like it's, it's for wrapping around the neck of the sheep when they're trying to run off. And, and yanking them and back yanking into place. yanking them back in. <laughs> so, so, like, even that language, as I was doing this dive into, like, the, this kind of a rabbit trail on its own, but, but realizing, wait a moment, the good shepherd, it's almost like a counter, like, that would have jarred them. Good shepherd. What are you? Shepherds are brutes. Shepherds are. Yeah. This. In 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 fact, you you. I was watching a show the other night, and uh, it had a shepherd boy, the mm. typical shepherd boy. So think, thirteen, fourteen years old. He's out with the sheep. Yeah. Uh, and goats. It was kind of a mix, and a goat goes over near the near a drop off, mm. and he just walks over and gives them the whack. Oh, yeah. With this crook yeah. back into place. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's not the, you know, when we think the good shepherd. Right. The good shepherd or the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord he is my shepherd. Causes well, me to sit down by cool pastures. Sit, sitting down in the grass, <laughs> stroking your wool, right? Yeah. Just, no, nice sheep, nice yeah. sheep. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not to say, I'm sure there's moments like that. I'm for sure. sure. But there are also moments where... We're getting a stick smacked at us. And I get to circle back, like that was something for me in my life, you know, when I was when I was looking, um, where it was like a Holy Spirit moment where it was like reread this whole Good Shepherd aspect. What did Adam's like, look into what that actually means. Don't let your twenty first century clouded thought like get get into the deep you know or, what I mean? Or all of the all of the paintings you've seen on the walls of Christians' homes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the halo around the shepherd's head, all oh, yeah. of that, don't let that cloud what was really the reference of a shepherd. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He leads me beside still waters. As you just mentioned, that leading, yeah, sometimes he's out front, and sometimes he's turning around and giving us a whack to get us back into line yeah. so that we follow where we should. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can do, I'm trying to, I, this was a while ago, I did a research dive on sheep. And it's just like, we're, they're some of the beautiful animals, some of the most stupid animals. <laughs> like, they don't, like, they don't do well on their own. Like, they need... Oh, not at all. Yeah. And sometimes don't do well in a herd. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, left to their own devices, like, sheep do not do well. Like, they need that guidance. Which, you go, wow, I'm, yeah, that was a, a good reference point. And <laughs> of all of the references God makes to his people... Mm. And of Jesus himself. Yeah. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Like, that is the predominant reference Mm -hmm. to God and his people. Shepherd and sheep. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, and then I know that was sort of a tangent off of that the original Paul Miller quote, but I think um, that's an example, at least for me, where it's like okay, through prayer, through scripture reading, through a deeper understanding, through cultural understanding, all of a sudden. I can have a slower heart to try to understand the heart of the father, right? To yep. kind of, to, to, we had talked about this before, like the idea of aligning our hearts yes. with the heart of the heavenly father. And that takes time. Takes time. Yeah. You know, it, I, I'm, I'm reminded of the little girl who was trying to, tell her father something that had happened at school. Mm. And dad is saying, could you hurry up? I'm busy. And the little girl says, well, daddy, just listen more slowly. (laughs) It's this whole thing of listening to God Mm. is not a kind of a thing where you jump into a chair and say, okay, what? Right, yeah. Because he'll tell you to slow down. (laughs) Well, it's the, I think it's either a Willard quote or a Peterson quote, the, a slow walk in the same direction. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, Peterson. That's Peterson. Eugene. Yeah. Yeah. A a long obedience in the same direction. Yes, that's right. Actually a book of that title. Yeah. 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 So... I'm just going to put you on it. <laughs> How important is that last busy heart? Yeah. I mean, I think I think when you discover where your heart's foundation is. Yeah. And for most of us, myself included, we we have a harsh reality check where we realize that our hearts typically aren't aligned with that of the father and that it's a journey to do that. I'd say it's very important to just take those breaths, slow down our hearts. One way we can do that is through prayer. And ultimately with the, the idea of aligning our hearts with, with, with the heart of the heavenly father. Yeah. Cause then you start to see, start to see things more clearly, right? You start to see what the kingdom looks like in the here and now that Jesus has called us all to be a part of. So then in spiritual disciplines, it should not surprise us then that silence and solitude are very prominent for whoever's writing about spiritual disciplines. They'll Mm -hmm. talk about prayer and the word and they'll talk about fasting and they'll talk about servitude and they'll talk about simplicity and they'll talk about a Can we make a recommendation here, Adams? Oh, yeah. John Mark Comer. Oh, yes. Yeah. uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you haven't read it, get a copy. (laughs) It'll be worth it. Yeah. And we've, we've, uh, we sound like we're a banging symbol or bell on this because we've talked about this for a while. Well, and we're reading it as a staff because. You know, this coming summer, mm-hmm. we're going to be doing a series on the spiritual disciplines, but yeah. central 
to any of the other disciplines would be silence and solitude mm -hmm. to unbusy our hearts. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I mean, that's a whole other that like, I'm really excited when we start to dive into that because it, it, it's a really, it's a really tangible thing for us to start experiencing in our everyday life. And who knows, like, I don't, I don't know what the summer is going to look like in regard to COVID-19 or society and whatnot, but it may give us a really fascinating time to dive into those disciplines. Well, here's the thing, you know, uh, pastors who are leading churches and church staffs mm -hmm. and church leadership like deacons boards and elders boards, I, I think if you ask them, what would you like to have? They would all say, many of them would say, it'd be great if we could just hit pause and do a bit of retooling. Mm -hmm. And uh, this summer, that's exactly what we may be able to do. Yeah. In reconsidering spiritual disciplines. Mm. What would it look like if Louisville was a church where even half of our people were engaging with spiritual disciplines on a regular basis? Yeah. Sounds exciting to me. Yeah. What would it do for our worry? Mm-hmm. What would it do for our engagement with what God wants to do in the community? Mm -hmm. What would it do for our relationships with one another? Yeah. Like there's there's some... So if you weren't excited about the summer, you are now. Yeah, get excited about <laughs> get the summer and get that book, John Mark Comer, Yeah. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yeah. It's a little orange book. And it's a great read. It's a great read. It's not not difficult read, and you'll learn a ton. Yeah, yeah the, I'm I'm reading some sections for the third time. Nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I mark books up like crazy. Yeah. And I mark it up, and then I, why didn't I mark that the first time <laughs> I read it? I should have marked that. Well, right on. Any any final words on this for for this week? I mean. I love the fact that you said worry is contrary to common sense came right out of the text. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if Jesus Jesus says if you're looking after if he's looking after the birds, yeah, then he'll look after you. Um, worry is an enemy of faith. Mm -hmm. And worry is a matter of the heart. Yeah. And we've just been talking about the heart. Yeah. Yeah, I think my final thoughts with it are like looking at those three things and really realizing that that third thing the uh, the matter of the heart is it's really the one that sticks out yeah and then of course at the very end like I use that uh, that scripture from um, Philippians Philippians yeah. yeah and that idea of praying continually praying specifically and praying thankfully yeah and and treating that as a framework right yeah I mean they literally say you, it, if you look at that passage and you go you enter into the presence of God through praying specifically, praying continually, praying thankfully. Here you go, okay. Okay, well then let's go. Then let's do it. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Thanks, this Adams. This was a great morning. I I, uh, I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. always do. And then we'll be on next week. And I think you're on for this coming Sunday, right? I'm on for this Sunday. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Uh, our roles will be back to normal. We'll be well. I think we're back and forth all yeah, the time. We're anyway, back and forth. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, yep. We'll see you then.
Thanks, Adams. Okay. Thanks, Gord.